Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to Renovation Church. I want to say a special welcome to everybody watching online from all over the world. Take a second, share the stream if you haven't done that yet. If you're in the house, you want to pull out your phone and share the stream. This helps us reach people, not only just here locally, but all around the world. And that's for our church, what we want to do. We want to make a difference around the world for the name of Jesus. And so again, welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, and we are in week three of a series we have called Mo Money, Mo Problems. And we've been talking around these big four ideas that I really believe are gonna help you. And I just want you to repeat them after me to get them down in your spirit. Somebody say, less is more. Less say, stress is bad. Less say, giving is good. Giving and tomorrow matters. Tomorrow. One more time, say, less is more. Less stress is bad. Giving is good. Giving and tomorrow matters. Tomorrow. Awesome. Well, today we're gonna talk about giving is good. Giving is good. Week one, uh, we talked about on that concept, less is more, right? It's from Ecclesiastes 4, 6, 4, 6, where Solomon writes that it's better one handful with tranquility is better than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And so what does it look like for you and I to learn um, how to live with less, less of what doesn't matter and more of what does? Last week, we talked around this concept that stress is bad. Financial stress is Bad. And so one of the things we're talking about as a church is how do we live like no one else now so that one day we can live like no one else? Today, we're talking about giving is good. And I believe that with everything in me. I think that you do too. But this comes from Acts 20, verse 35, uh, where Luke writes this. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you believe that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, that doesn't mean that receiving is bad, right? I think we've all probably been uh, on the receiving end of an incredible gift. Maybe it was for your birthday. Maybe it was for Christmas uh, when somebody just blessed you randomly. There's nothing wrong with receiving, but what Jesus says is it's more blessed to give than to receive. I think about those receiving stories that I've experienced. I remember um, early on when I was about 13 years old, uh, I remember uh, people blessing our family with tens of thousands of dollars to help cover the medical bills uh, for my, my little brother's cancer treatment. That we got plane rides and bus, uh, private buses to go back and forth to Houston so that we could be with him through that process before he lost his life to cancer. I think about being on the receiving end when Jessica and I decided to plant this church and we kind of walked away from a salary and benefits after only having a four-month-old and really not knowing where our next paycheck is going to be. Some of y'all look at me like I'm crazy. I am crazy. <laughs> I just remember a volunteer saying, hey, can I take you to Chipotle? Come on, somebody for some Chipotle. And, uh, and she had no idea what was going on, but she decided that she was going to bless us because God put it on her heart randomly one night in prayer that we were going through a season of transition and we just needed to know that there was people behind us. And so she slipped us a check for $2,000. Remember that season after Tatum was born during that same time frame, where I got online to go set up payments for the thousands of dollars we owed in medical bills only to realize that the church I had left decided to pay them in full on our behalf. It's, it's awesome to receive. But Jesus says it's better, it's, it's more of a blessing than to give. Early on in our church, we received um, three different checks, one from a church and one from our organization, 
uh, for $20,000 a piece. And it just blew me away. And God's hand just kind of on our church, especially as COVID ramped up being a four and a half month old church. And, uh, and the first thing we did, that was a blessing. We were grateful. But the first thing we decided as a church, because we believe that giving is good, was to turn around and use what we've received to bless other people. And I'm gonna tell you, like, I loved being on the receiving end of that money. That was great. But if I'm just being honest with you, the thing that blessed my soul more than anything was what we got to do with it. When I got to get on a Zoom call with a family who was praying through adoption and all of the financial hardships that kind of come with that process and all of a sudden they got a call one day and there, had to, there was some money due immediately and uh, as a church we were able, because someone was generous to us, we were able to get on a phone call and give them thousands of dollars to help take care of that adoption. And now that little girl is in church every single week. Amen, come on, that's worth clapping for. I, um, I, remember, I remember getting to, to bless another pastor who was going through a pandemic trying to get a church started and surprise him the way that we were surprised in Nairobi, Kenya and Pastor Jojo now have a church because of the generosity of so many of you and you didn't even, didn't even realize it. And I think we all have stories like that, right? Like, yeah, we have stories that where we receive things and there's some important ones, but I would say like none of us have those like really emotional, powerful, life-changing moments. You know, it's like, oh my God, I just got a flat screen. Yes, you know what I mean? Like we don't have that. Or I just bought my new pair of J's, praise the Lord, heaven on high. Like, no, right? Ladies, you're like, I just got my coach person. All of the angels in heaven are rejoicing, you know? Receiving is good, but giving is better. More blessed to give than to receive. And you know that, right? Like for some of you, you made a decision in faith to give first to the church or a place that you love and sacrificially gave when maybe you didn't have a lot to give and you saw the difference that it made. Or, or maybe for you, you know, instead of selling something to make money for yourself, you decided you were gonna give something and meet a need of somebody else close to you. That actually happened, there was a couple about a year ago or so that came to me at the end of the year and they said, hey, listen, we've been really praying through this series and um, we just got a new vehicle and we have a third vehicle and we were gonna trade it in, we were gonna make money on it, but rather instead, God just put it on our heart to give it to the church, to actually give to somebody else. And we got to experience the joy of blessing an entire family of six with a new vehicle. Why? Because giving is good. Somebody say giving is good. It's good. And so if you know that, and I believe you agree with it, like we have a generous church. So many of you really are generous. And I believe you wanna give. But if you really believe the words of Jesus that it's more blessed to give than to receive, if you really believe giving is good, it begs the question, why then don't we give more consistently? Here's what I believe one of the biggest problems is. Most of us do not feel rich, but we are. And most of us feel like we're generous, but we're not. And we'll say that again. That's the biggest problem in our country is that many of us, we feel like we're not rich, but we are. And we feel like we're generous, but we are not. And you know this, right? Like, you, you know, I, I don't really feel rich. We talked about that last week. Why? Because we're constantly comparing ourselves to every single person around us. But if we just stepped back for a second, and got a perspective from heaven that God has, that the eight billion people or so 
with breath in their lungs created in the image of God that exists around this world. I would dare to say that 10, that every single person in this room would fall into the top 10 to 15% of the people in the world. Somebody say we're rich. We have running water, clean water to drink. We have electricity. We have the internet. Your 12-year-old has the, palm, the world in the palm of his hand. We're rich. Now, we don't feel rich, but we are. You drove to, you drove to church today. You're watching online right now. I mean, we got showers, we got bathrooms that you can push a button and flush the things you don't want sticking around. That's how rich we are. You realize that most of the people in this world don't live like that. So say we're rich. Problem is, is we're stressed. And we talked about that last week. I think many of us really would and, and want to do good. We want to be able to bless people. We want to give more. But the truth is, we don't feel like we can. And what happens is we think we're generous, but we're not. And here's how I know that. Uh, there was a really, uh, I think, important study done. And I hate the word average, but it says that the, the average American Christian, this is people who go to church more than two times a month, says that they give away to church or another nonprofit organization 2.8% of their income. And you might be thinking, well, if I had more money, I would give more money. Like if I had more, I would give more. Actually, that's not true. Because if you make over $100,000, that number drops from 2.8% to 2.6%. I'll tell you what's the problem. During the Great Depression, people gave 3.3%. Y'all, we can do better than that. Amen? We can, we, can, we can do better than that. But here's the problem. What that teaches us is that this is not about your money, this is about your mindset. So last week we introduced this idea of scarcity, say scarcity, right? I don't have enough, I need more, I'm, I'm never, I'm always behind, everything's always late. You can kind of hear it in the language. And the problem with scarcity is that scarcity is a cycle. And scarcity does not start with your money, it starts with your mindset. And so if you missed last week, I'm just gonna go through this really quickly. Here's the first thing that happens. God supplies. Say, God supplies. And what we do, many of us, the, what happens is you and I, we consume. Throw that graph up there. We consume. And so when God supplies, we go, oh man, it's for me. I got it. I got to pay my bills. I got to do this for my kids. I got to do all that, which is fine. But then what happens at the end of the month is you don't have enough left over to actually give. Why? Because we lack. Say, we lack. And when we lack, we're like, oh, I don't really know how... I'm gonna help, I don't know how I can do this. And you're constantly feeling behind. And so when you lack, what happens? You fear, say we fear. And when you fear, you're just waiting for the next time God supplies for you. You're just like, oh God, if you don't, and this is how we get month to month. This is month to month living, paycheck to paycheck living. And, we're, and so we, we consume, we lack, we fear, we consume, we lack, we fear. And around and around we go, always feeling behind, always feeling like there is never enough. And so then how do we break the cycle of scarcity? Because this is not how God wants you and I to operate. Our God is not a scarce God. Our God is a God of abundance. Our God is a source. He is a supply. He owns cattle on a thousand hill. He never runs out. He doesn't want you and I to live our lives with a scarcity mindset. So then what does he want us to do? 
How does he want us to think? I wanna take you now to 2 Corinthians where Paul writes this to the church and I believe it's gonna be so helpful for you. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're gonna go to 2 Corinthians chapter nine. If you're ready for the word of God, somebody shout, I'm ready. Need a second, say, hold up. All right, here we go. 2 Corinthians nine, you're gonna love this. Here's what he says. You must each decide in your heart, say your heart. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, if you're feeling manipulated, you're feeling pressure, if you feel me trying to convince you to do something and it's, it's, it's not right, it's your, this is a weight on you, don't give. Why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Why? Because it's all about your heart. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's about your heart. It's about your heart. He wants you to give cheerfully, to give generously, to give ridiculously, and what happens when we do? Verse eight, and God will generously provide all you need. Notice this isn't lack, this isn't scarcity. God provides. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse nine, as the scriptures say, they share freely and do what? Say this with me, and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So when God blesses us, when God supplies, we give generously. And it says, and when we do, people will remember it forever. And I don't know about you, but that just like excites me and fires me up to the thought that what if this church changed the narrative? What if every single one of you decided today that giving is good, that church does not exist just for me, but it exists for the world, what could happen? What would happen to the stories we hear of the kids in our local elementary school showing up with no shoes on and holes in their socks? What would happen to the kids who are just floating from house to house in the system, feeling like no one cares? What could happen if rather the church being the thing that hurts people the most, what if the church became the thing that blesses people most often? What if this church was not about what we can get from you, but rather what we could do together? That God wants to do something through you what if you were the answer to the prayer request of the person sitting next to you? What would our community look like? What would our family look like? What would the world look like if the church was actually the church? So here's what he says. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So God supplies us with seed. What do we do? We plant it. And I just want you to watch what happens. In the same way, he will provide an increase, say increase, your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So notice, this is not a promise that when you give, God gives you more in your bank account. And see, some of y'all, that's, that's why you're tensed up, is because when pastors teach on this topic, you get really uncomfortable. Why? Because some pastor told you that if you do this, God will do this, and you did it, and now you're like, I don't want to talk about this in 
and church. And unfortunately, for far too long, this is the very topic that the enemy uses to keep people from trusting God with their finances and belonging to a church. Isn't it interesting that this topic, the one that the Bible talks about more than any other topic, number two in the Bible, the, number se the second, 2,300 something times. Isn't it interesting that the enemy would use this one? Can I just give you a word of encouragement? Do not allow the manipulation of some men rob you from the promise and provision of one God. And for many of us, that, that's, what, that's what happened. As you've been told, well, you give to get back. But what God says is that when you and I give gener generously, what does he do? He causes there to stir up a harvest of generosity in you. It, it's a heart issue. Watch what he says. He says, yes, you will be enriched in every way. Why? So that you can consume? So that you can have more? No. So that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Somebody say giving is good. And so notice this isn't scarcity. This is supply. This is abundance. And our God is a God of abundance. Scarcity, what was it? God provides, we consume, we lack, we fear. God provides, we consume, we lack, we fear. Now, let me just show you what we just read, what this looks like, because not only is scarcity a, a cycle, but there is also a cycle of abundance, which is what we just read. So here's the difference. The first thing that happens is when God supplies, the first thing that he calls us to do is not consume, but rather give. Somebody say give. Why? Because giving is good. He says, I want you to give the first 10% of your income to the local church to do the work that God has called it to do. Now, we're gonna talk about that more because some of y'all are like, oh, I knew it, there it was. Just give the church more money, I know. We're gonna talk about that. So what happens? Listen, what happens? We give, and then what does God do? In his grace, he multiplies. Not necessarily your bank account, but he multiplies your generosity. And somehow he takes the small gift that you gave and uses it and multiplies it in order to make a big difference. And, and, and you know this, what happens when you give faithfully, God stirs up something inside of you and your faith grows. So here's the cycle of abundance. Here's the cycle of supply. God supplies, we give, he multiplies, our faith grows. Do you see the difference? Let me help illustrate it this way. Um, cycle of scarcity. Y'all gonna like this. Cycle of scarcity. Here's what happens. Now ready? Here's what happens. You know this, right? You go to church and you feel guilty, right? Because some pastor like me got up on stage and made you feel guilty for not giving or not giving enough or not giving more consistently. And so here's what you do at the end of a sermon, at the end of whatever, you kind of feel guilty. Like, oh, you know, you saw like some emotional video of some kid that needed your help. And you're like, mm, like, okay, fine. I'll just, I'll give like, just, 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 all right, I'll give a little bit. <laughs> and then what happens? You lack, you fear. And the next time comes around, you're like, oh Lord, please just provide, please just provide. But then you come to church again and you're just waiting. Like, oh God, please like, Please just give me, you know, I gave, God, you need, you need to give it back. And so you're like, okay, fine, I'll, gi I'll give again. 
I did it. And you start to feel good about yourself. Or, right, what happens is, is you have some TV preacher with the slick hair, not taking shots at anybody, robbing around in a private jet, right? Is this not how it works? And so what do they do? They say, well, if you'll sow $1, God will bless you with 10. And what ha- if that was the case, y'all, I would just deposit my whole check back into the church so I can get rich. Many of you, that's what you believed. Oh, if I just do one, oh, God will do 10. And what this leads to is this is a supply of scarcity where we consume, we lack, we fear. And at Renovation Church, we don't give to get something in return. No, rather, generosity is our privilege. We believe that every good and perfect gift comes down from God, that because God generously gave to you and I, now you and I actually get to give. Amen? Do you see how that works? But here's the problem. Some of y'all are hoping that money's real right now. Some of y'all are already grabbing it. And so what happens? What happens? Here's what you do, right? Oh, you're like, oh, God, just generously provided. Giving you, giving you your job, your house, your kids, your money, whatever it is. And here's what we do. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, man, this, 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 this mine. Like a three-year-old. Oh, it's mine. And God's like, well, who gave it to you? I earned it. You earned it? You mean the job you were underqualified for? Hello? You earned it. He's like, yeah, 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 it's, it's mine, it's mine. And God's going, do you see how I've graciously provided for you? And you worried about 10%? Here's the question. Do you have money or does money have you? Why? Because Jesus says that you can only serve one master. You'll either love one and hate the other. You'll be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So does money have your heart? See, at our church, what we believe is that generosity is our privilege, that because God has graciously given everything to us, now we don't have to give, we get to give. Why? Because giving is good. And so here's the question. If giving is good, I don't know about you, but I actually want to grow in generosity. And I think you do too. And so then how do we grow in generosity? If you're taking notes, write this down. We trust God with the tithe. We trust God with the tithe. What what is tithing? This is the one everybody gets uncomfortable with. Tithing is the first, say first. It is the first 10% of your income returned to God through the local church. And I'm gonna show you why. That's what tithing is. It literally comes from a Hebrew word, ma'aser, which means a tenth. Now, here's what the enemy will do. He'll say, oh, no, no, no. The tithing, that's made up by the church. That's to get all your money. And some of you, that's what you think. That's okay. If you study the scriptures, what you will find is tithing, the principle of first, supersedes the law. Some of you are like, oh, well, that's Old Testament. We don't live under the Old Testament anymore. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so here's what scripture actually says. I'll give you the first one, Leviticus. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields, fruit from the trees, belongs, say belongs, belongs to the Lord. It must be set apart to him as holy. You're like, well, that's Old Testament. All right, I hear you. 
So here's the New Testament. In fact, here's what Jesus says, Matthew 23, 23. He's talking to some religious leaders who tithe, but here's what he says. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, say hypocrites. Turn to the neighbor you don't like and say hypocrite. For you are careful, watch this. You are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Watch what he says next. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so see what was happening then and what happens now is for some people who do tithe, they get arrogant about it. Like, oh, well, I'm good. I gave my money to the church. I tithed 10%. So what that means is that, well, because I give, then I should get a say-so in what happens at the church. That's why some of y'all got here because that's what happened at your last church. <laughs> Hello? Why? Because it got abused. And the people with the money made all the decisions. It's called church politics 101. They're from hell, by the way. And that's where they can go, too. Not the people, the process. You know what I'm talking about, all right? <laughs> Just to clarify for those online, don't retweet that. <laughs> and so what happens and what they were doing was that they were looking down on other people because of the money they gave. I give. I'm better than you. What Jesus is saying, well, of course you should tithe but don't neglect the more important matters of the law. What's he saying? Yes, tithe, but that doesn't give you permission to treat people like crap. Just because you got money, that doesn't mean you're better than them. God's not concerned with your amount. God's concerned with your heart. Is this making sense? Yeah. And so he's saying, of course you should tithe. Why would he say then? Why would he say that? Why would Jesus, why does he make the assumption that we're gonna do it? Here's why. Because the purpose of tithing, it teaches us to put God first. Say first. And that principle of first, you know this, it's all over scripture. Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first. Notice it doesn't say the purpose of tithing is to teach you that God wants all your money. No, Jesus says, I want you to seek first the kingdom. Can I tell you why? Because God will not come second. He will not come last. He is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in your life. And, and the reason you need to understand this is because God wants your first. He says, I want your first, I want your best, and I want you to trust me with the rest. See if 90% with my blessing won't go further than 100% without it. See, the reason it's important you understand first is because it takes faith to give first. It does not take faith to give last. And the truth is about many of us, and listen, I've been guilty of this. We tip God with our leftovers. Oh, if, the, if I like the sermon. Oh, if I like the church. Woo. If the meal was good and I got what I wanted, all right, pastor, I'll give a little bit. And the truth is, y'all, is we're tipping God. Here's the second thing tithing does is it provides for the work of God's church. You're like, oh, there it is for the, for the church. I'm gonna tell you why. Some of you are like, oh, well, maybe God changed his mind. 
Maybe, maybe that's not the case anymore. You're quoting all the Old Testament. Maybe, maybe now it's not really not like that and you're just kind of twisting Jesus's words to make it fit your narrative. No, no, no. Malachi 3, here it is, verse six. I, the Lord, do not change. Anybody thankful that we have a Lord that doesn't change? So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from me, from my decrees, and have not kept them. Watch what he says. Return, say return. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, well, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Watch what God says. Yet, you rob me. But you ask, well, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. That's how some of us feel in our spirit right now, don't it? <laughs> how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. He says this, watch the language. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. What is he talking about? When he says that we rob him, when he says that you're robbing me, is he saying you're robbing me of money? No. Why? Where did it come from? He's the source of all life. I didn't need your money. So when he says you're robbing me, what is he saying? He's saying you're robbing me of the opportunity to bless people through you. So here's what he says to do. Verse 10. Test me in this. Say, test me. Turn to your neighbor and say, test me. Put in the chat, say, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Now, here's why I love this. This is the only place in all of scripture that God gives you the permission to test him. Why? He's saying, test me and see if my economy is not better than this world's economy. Test me and see if 90% doesn't go further than 100% without me. Test me in this. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't sign up for all that. And I just became a Christian. I didn't know that was part of it. You know what I mean? Wait a second. It sounds like, Pastor, what you're telling me is that in order to do this, I would have to like change everything about my money. Yep. In order to do this, I'd have to just change everything about my life. It would mean that like everything I have, you're saying the first of it, the best of it belongs to the Lord? Yep. Oh, you're mad? Take it up with Jesus. <laughs> so he says, test me in this. Say, test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Notice what he says. Two words I want to focus on. Floodgates and heaven. That when you tithe, I will throw open the floodgates. Well, that word floodgates is used three times in the Old Testament. The first time we see the word floodgates used is in Genesis chapter six, when there was sin that was rampant and God said he was going to open the floodgates and flood the entire earth that every single corner, every single part of the earth would be touched with the flood. So God says, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. Say heaven. heaven. Notice he does not say your bank account. He does not say Wall Street. He doesn't say if you tithe, I'm gonna open up the floodgates of the lottery. Nope. 
What does he say? He says, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. And so what God is saying is I am looking for a heart where I can unleash the floodgates of heaven and that there will not be an area of your life that goes untouched by my blessing. He is looking for a heart who he can entrust heaven to. And so you better get that because this is a picture that God has a a dam and there is water behind it. And the truth is for many of us, because we have the wrong mindset, if God opened up the floodgates of heaven, you'd drown. You know why? Because you would try to consume it all for yourself. God calls you and I not to be a reservoir, but a river. And so when he pours out the floodgates of heaven, it goes to you so that it can go through you. And what tithing does is it builds our faith. It builds our faith. So it teaches us to put God first. Provides for the work of the local church. He says, bring it to the storehouse. What are you receiving today? Spiritual food. Now you may not like the food, but it's good food. So you can be nourished, you can be strengthened, so you can become more like Jesus. It's a picture of the local church and it builds your faith when you put God first in the area that has your heart. Say, put God first. So the first thing we're gonna do is put God first. The second thing is that we are going to plan our generosity. Somebody say plan. I need a plan. Say, I need a plan. Y'all do need, say, I need a plan. You gotta plan your generosity. Check out what Isaiah says. But generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. What he is saying is that generosity is not just something you do. Generosity is who you are. Generous people, cheerful people, people who realize that everything that they have, God supplied, and they go, and it belongs to him. See, we plan to acquire, don't we? Like we, we, we plan on, like, oh, I'll watch for the deal. Think I'm paying for Jay's full price? Not today. <laughs> Think I'm gonna pay for that full price on Amazon? Nope. What do we do? We'll plan to acquire. I just wonder what would happen if we sat around the table. Parents, if you had a conversation with your kids and you said, we're gonna plan to be generous instead. Why? Because generous people plan their generosity. Now, here's what I'm gonna say to you. As a church, we've just made a commitment that we go first. I'm not gonna tell you to go first, but we're not gonna go first. I'm not gonna tell you to be generous, but we're not gonna be generous. So as a church, we actually plan our generosity. We know where our money is going to go because when you plan your generosity, you can stand firm no matter what comes your way. So here's what this is gonna look like. I know all this down here is fake money. But what we're gonna do today, because we wanna help you see that giving is good, we want you to see the, the joy that comes with being a blessing When you leave today and you exit through this door or that back door, you're gonna be handed an envelope, not per family, per person. I don't care if you got a three-year-old in here, they get in an envelope. And in that envelope, there's gonna be cash. I'm not joking. Might be a hundred, maybe a 50, 20, 10, five, couple ones. And we're just gonna give it to you so that you can see that God has blessed you in order to be a blessing to others. But here's the catch. Say there's a catch. Say there's a catch. You cannot spend it on yourself. You can't use it for you. You can't use it to buy your kid another toy. 
You got to clear that stuff out anyway. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You have to use the money you receive today to be a blessing to somebody else. So for some of you, it might be easy. $100, you're like, man, gas is $4 a gallon. Good Lord, I'm going to pay. I'm going to get your gas tank filled up. For others, you might be a 50, maybe paying a phone bill. Maybe a 20. You may have to get creative. You may get a 10. Some of you are going to be like, man, all I got is a couple ones. What am I going to do with a couple ones? Well, maybe put it together with the person next to you or somebody in your family and get creative. Go down to, Do to Dutch Bros or Starbucks and just decide I'm going to pay it forward and I'm going to buy the person behind me's coffee. Anybody received that blessing before? For others of you, it's, you may all, you, everybody in your family may get a $100 bill and you could pay somebody's, you could pay somebody's electric bill. Why? Because giving is good. Say giving is good. So here's the second part. You can't use it for you. Number two. You have to share the story, but let me preface it with this, not to pat yourself on the back. So that together we can see what would happen if a church was not known from trying to get something from people, but rather give something to people. So that together we can see what we don't have a lot, but what we do have, we're going to use to build the kingdom of God. And what we can do together is make a difference. And then next week, I'm going to open up my sermon and I'm going to use some of the stories so that everybody in here and everybody watching online, their faith can be built up and encouraged when we see that when we have been blessed, we have been blessed to be a blessing to others. Amen. So I just want you to email that story to stories at renovation.church, stories at renovation.church. You, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, giving us your name, that's fine. It's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. Amen. So first thing we're going to do to grow in generosity, we're going to trust God with the tithe. We're going to plan our generosity. And then finally, we're going to start being generous now. Say now. We're going to start today. Not tomorrow. It's not about the supply. It's not about your money. It's about your mindset. I'm going to read the scripture to you. I think it's really powerful. Here's what God calls me to do. It's why we're doing this today. It says this, command those who are rich in this present world. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm rich. I'm talking about you. Those who are rich in this present world, what? Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. To not put your hope, your heart, your faith, your peace in wealth. Why? It's so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. You know, I'm tell you why we're doing this series? Not to get something from you. We're doing this series because God wants to get something through you, and I just want you to see it. They should be rich in good works, and generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Less is more. Stress is bad. Said that with me. Say, giving is good. Why? Because tomorrow matters. So here's my prayer. Philemon 1.6, I'm going to end with this. You guys can stand to your feet. I just want to pray this over you. I'll give you an opportunity to respond. 1.6, here's what he says. And I am praying that you will put into action the generosity 
that comes from your faith. We'll say it again. I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things you have in Christ. When you experience the love and the mercy and the grace and the provision and the blessing of God, when you understand that everything you have belongs to him, our only reasonable response is to return everything back to the one who gave it all. Can I tell you why we give? Because he did first. He gave first. Do you realize that tithe in scripture was a way when you would give your first, you would give your firstborn. And it was a way that you would redeem the unclean. Do you realize that Jesus was God's tithe to us? That he gave his one and only son who was clean so that the unclean, you and I, can be redeemed, purchased, bought back out of the debt that we could not get out of. Why? Because giving is good. We serve a generous God. He says that I gave my one and only begotten son so that whosoever shall believe in me will not perish, but rather have everlasting life. Because God gave, we're not gonna rob the tithe. We're not gonna, we're not gonna make it about ourselves. Because God gave graciously to us, our only reasonable response is to return every breath back to him. And here's my final prayer, that today you would say yes in putting God first. For some of you, that's in your finances. For others of you, that's in your life. And you have been trying to do things out of order and God has not been first. And then you wonder why there is disorder because God is first, he will not take second, friends. And so I wanna give you the opportunity today to put God first and whatever that may be, but especially those of you who have never given him your life, You've put your faith and hope in, in wealth rather than putting your faith and hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. So if you will, bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your generosity. God, we thank you for your gift, your son, Jesus, that you were gracious to us when we did not deserve it, that you saw us in our sin, but that you sent your son to redeem, to buy back, to purchase the unclean so that we could have a relationship with you. God, today, help us put you first. Help us love you because you first loved us. So today I pray whatever steps people need to take, they would take them now in Jesus' name. But God, I pray for those right now who have never put you first as their savior. And I wanna pray this. And if you will, church, pray this out loud. Say, Father, today I put you first. I give you my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. Today, I give you my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone who believed us, amen. Hey, put your hands together for those who made that decision today. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.